0: Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 83 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. And my guest today has wrestled all over the world for the past 25 years. She's the innovator of intergender wrestling and the First Lady of Hardcore. She's also a regular panelist on Beyond the Bells, the show on ROH's YouTube channel that's part of Women's Division Wednesday. She is the great Lufisto. Lufisto, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, I'm really so happy to be here. <laughs>
0: and I'm happy to have you here because uh, I, I've done a lot of interviews over the years in pro wrestling, and it's always exciting for me to interview someone that I've never talked to before, uh, but yet who I, you know, has accomplished a lot in this business. And and that certainly is you. Um, I wanted to start right off though by just talking about Beyond the Bells, uh, mm. which. Uh, For those who may not be familiar, um, it's uh, hosted by Alyssa Marino and, of course, uh, Maria Canales Bennett, the first lady of pro wrestling, uh, the driving force behind ROH's women's division is part of it. Uh, But you are also uh, one of the the panelists. And um, I don't know, I think because of your 20-plus years in the business and, uh, you know, you have great stories, you have great insight, that you really just add so much to the show. How did this opportunity to be part of Beyond the Bells come about for you?
1: Um, I actually, when the division was announced, I actually uh, sent a message to uh, Jonathan Gresham, and he's like, "I'm not in charge anymore, but you know, uh, you should reach out to Bobby Cruz." And then Mr. Kai the sends me an email: "Reach out to Maria. Reach out to Maria." <laughs> and uh, when I did reach out to Maria, the borders were closed, and it was just impossible for international talent to do anything. So um, she said, I have this project, though, that you could do from home and you could be part of this division one way or another. And, you know, you could bring your insight and and you just like look at the matches and let us know, um, you know, your comments or anything. So it was kind of a way to bring me into The division in another way than actually wrestling or showing up on shows, since that was not something that was possible.
0: Right, because you're in you're you're living in Canada, so exactly. (laughs) Right, um, right. So, like, at least you, yeah, you got to be part of it in in some way. Was Mm -hmm. there ever any discussion of, uh, you know, if and when? Well, not if, when sometime the borders open up, and uh, you know, was there ever any talk of you? getting into the ring in Ring of Honor, being part of the division as a competitor?
1: It, it was, I think it was the, like, the plan. It's just that it never got to this point. Uh, the borders just open, and I actually applied for my U.S. visa because as soon as you do any type of uh, TV or anything that has a lot of publicity when it comes to wrestling, uh, then you become an entertainer to the, to the eyes of the immigration laws. So you have to apply for uh, an entertainment visa. So that's that's actually something I do have in progress right now. And it's just a matter of time now. Right. But uh, it takes time. Like immigration laws are very, they're complicated and everything, it's so long. <laughs> but it's, I just need patience. But I've been waiting for so long already to have an opportunity. So it's not a few months that are going to scare me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I know that there's a there's a long process that goes along with that. So yeah, I think patience, <laughs> patience is, <the> <laughs> Indeed. On um, let's talk about though, like uh, having a long layoff, right? Because you had one, like a lot of people during the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, I believe it was what, like a year and a half that you didn't. Oh yeah.
1: Well, what was something I mean... like 18 months?
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, how difficult was that for you? I mean, you've been doing this for so long to then suddenly not be able to do it for a year and a half. I mean, what, what was that like for you? Uh, you know, I guess mentally, uh, but also I mean, physically, I guess it gave your body a chance to, to heal up. But what, what was exactly.
1: that <laughs> <like? laughs> So at first, here, here's the, that's something that a lot of people don't actually know. But at the end of March, um, I already had my plane ticket to go to Baltimore and actually teach a class with Jonathan Gresham for Ring of Honor. So I was really, really excited about that and going to the dojo and meet people. And of course, the pandemic happened and everything got canceled and my flight got canceled and everything. But I was like, okay, you can't do nothing about it. It's 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 a worldwide crisis right now. So at first, I was like, let's heal that body. uh, You know, work out as much as you can at home (laughs) because all the gyms are closed. Right. And at first, I really saw it as, um a way to heal all injuries and to take care of myself spend time with my cats my boyfriend my mom uh she's living nearby and i i really saw it as something positive but then as the months were going by i'm like oh man this is getting long and then the gym were opening up and closing back and then like every time we thought it would get better like another wave would hit and then it would everything would close. We there was like a curfew and I was like, oh my Lord. <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> with with it's just every month that was added to this pandemic, I was like I was getting more um, I could say deep because it's like wrestling to me has always been it, it's it's my passion. It's my longest relationship. It's really um it's really, it's a love hate relationship, but I love it more than anything else. And I feel fulfilled in it. And after a few months, I really felt there's something was missing. And I love everything about wrestling, whether it is like, um, you know, talking with the new generations and giving them a few advices and learning, and I still go to seminars and so what I started actually doing is that's actually where I could say that I really, really fell in love with Ring of Honor again. I already loved it, but with um, the um, Pure Championship Tournament, I'm like, this is so good. Yeah. And I discovered the likes of um, I know Tra- I know Tracy Williams. I, I did shows with him, but I like I discovered more of him and uh, like Josh Woods. And all those names, and I was like so mesmerized by how Ring of Honor took a bad situation and made it something special. And I really fell back in in love with the wrestling itself, because I did a lot of different styles of wrestling, but with this pure tournament, I was like, wow, this is wrestling, this is what I love. And... I was really getting excited, like, like I need to wrestle, I need to wrestle. And <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally, uh, everything got cleared up in Canada. And I had my first match back on August 7 um, of this year. And my God, you can train as much as you want in the gym, but the entering cardio is very, very different. <laughs> and I was so blown up. I was like, oh, I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> I'm like oh my god this is so terrible like after the first few spots I was like oh how how can I will I get through this match (laughs) like but yeah it's I think it's um like you said like I've never really stopped before like I had injuries here and there but you know three months seven months the longest I've been out but a year and a half I was like oh but Thank God, everything got better, and my masses like <laughs> they're like really good now. Right. I'm like not tired anymore. But oh yeah, coming back after 18 months, like oh Lord, that was <laughs> that was terrible.
0: Yeah, some of the, some of the other talents I've asked about that, like coming back after the layoff, and uh, they said something very similar that. Um, you know, the, there's, there's being in shape and then there's being in ring shape. It's a different thing. Mm-hmm. And plus, different. you know, giving your body a rest is great because yes, you can heal up, but now your body's no longer calloused and used to the bumps. So when you start bumping again, you feel that more than, than maybe than you remember. Oh yeah.
1: I, I, I've been sitting in hot baths a lot more than I used to. <laughs>
0: uh, well, let me ask you about the, uh, the ROH Women's Division. Um, Mm -hmm. I just want to get your general thoughts on what you've seen so far uh, from the Women's Division as a whole and your thoughts specifically on our champion, Roxy.
1: Uh, What I really loved about the division is that I discovered a lot of talent that I've heard about, but didn't see a lot. Um, uh, Roxy's one of them, Miranda, Um, I knew a bit more about Trish. I've wrestled Willow. I knew Allison Kay wrestled her many, many times. But I thought it was really good in the fact that it did have, you know, those names that were established, but also people who were um, new and fresh, but still very experienced at the same time. And Roxy comes to mind because... She's been she's 19, only 19, but she's been doing that since she's like 13. So she's already like I wouldn't say a veteran, but she's really experienced already at such right. a young age.
2: Right.
1: And I really love the fact that I really felt that everybody was working together to make this um like a good I could say like a good home. Like I felt everybody wanted to be there. It shows when you're in an environment where you're comfortable. Um, And I felt also that Maria put all her heart in this division as well. And when, when the boss believes in you and what you do and has the same vision, uh, it always helps. And it's been one of the biggest struggle, I think in women's wrestling where um, throughout the years, at the beginning like we have to fight for a spot on the card and then we have to fight to get a little bit more time taken be you know being taken seriously and the vision of the promoter was not necessarily the vision um and then i i speak for myself but that i had as a wrestler i really wanted to be seen as a wrestler in fact there's was like no you're just a girl you're an attraction you're here um just to show something different and I feel that now we're at a point today where, it, you know, it's a women's division that's run by a woman, but also with, with men that really understand what is the main goal and that this is a serious division and it's as serious as the men and it needs to be, you know, um, portrayed as important as the men's division. And, yeah, it's just a, a team. And, and we saw that when, when um, you know, they announced the last tapings, the picture that all the girls took together. You could see like a cohesive unit all standing together, fighting and believing for, you know, the same goals to, to show that women can do it too and they can do it better. And, you know, they have to be taken seriously now because women's wrestling is net it's really at another level from what it used to be oh there's no question i mean i i grew up in the in the wrestling
0: territory days so you mentioned it being a special like an attraction special attraction Mm -hmm. that's exactly how it was promoted i grew up in baltimore a you know wwf original city and every you know every few months they would bring the women wrestlers in and you know, like sometimes they put on the program, you know, four girl wrestlers in action. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't wouldn't even name, you know, four girls and, you know, tag team. They don't even name them just like they would do with, uh, I guess it's not a politically correct word today, but back then little people were called the midgets, right? Yeah. Like the women were put on the level as like the midgets. It's like, it's a special attraction. It's something you'll bring in two or three times a year. Uh, like it's a diversion, but it's certainly not, um, it's different than what, you know, you're supposed to look at it differently than everything Mm -hmm. in the card. And it is so great that we finally gotten to the point now where, like you said, uh, the women are being considered equal to the men and the women's world championship, every bit as important as the men's world championship as it should be. Um, You know, obviously we went through different stages. We went through Mm -hmm. stages in the night, you know, the late nineties, I guess, where, there was the diva stage and it was all about bra and panties matches and you had to
2: look (laughs) a certain way
0: and so uh you know I I was a member of the WWE creative team for three years uh 2011 to 2014 and this was before the women's revolution and I've told the story on the podcast before but it, it bears repeating um Natalia was on our roster at that time and I was, you know, me and some of the other people would, would pitch ideas for Natalia that involved, you know, like letting her show what she could do in the ring. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget Vince McMahon said to us, said to all the writers, our fans don't want to see the girls fight like the guys. And, uh, oh, and I was like, I, I've heard that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I was it's like, one of the things wow. yeah, that I've heard throughout my career, like, oh, we can't, use you because you fight like a guy i'm like what's wrong with that that's right why and what's embraced today and thank god it is back then to me was everything that was wrong about me you're too violent you're too intense you fight like a guy you scream too much <laughs> and i was like <laughs> okay so and now i see that everything that was wrong with me is now uh, something positive. So I was like, Oh, I wasn't born at the right time. But well, <laughs> I, absolutely, yeah, you,
0: <laughs> you were ahead of your time. That's why I call, call you a pioneer. You were definitely ahead of your time. And, um, and now we're seeing, you know, all those things that, that made you uh, an anomaly for all those years. Now we're finally starting to see more of those things, you know, incorporated um, into the wrestling landscape. I want to ask you about one uh, specific competitor who was in the ROH women's title tournament. Mm-hmm. And that's Nicole Savoy, because I know that uh, she's a favorite of yours. Uh, she was actually my pick to win the tournament when we were making predictions before it started. In your opinion, uh, how is it possible that Nicole Savoy isn't, isn't signed to a major company at this point? It, I just, I, I don't get it.
1: Um, I don't get it either. <laughs> um, unfortunately there's, There's a lot of thing in wrestling that could stop you from being signed. Sometimes it's it's not the right timing. Uh, All you need is one person who doesn't like you who could stop you if it's this person's in the right place. Um, Why talent wise, she was not. You know, she's a little bit shy, but she's so intense when she's in the ring. She can adapt to any style. She's a good person. Uh, she's, she's fun to be with in the backstage. Um, and she, like I said, she adapts to any kind of opponents or, um, any level of experience. Um, so it always me, amazes me when I see someone like her and that's when, you know, sometimes we have to look back and say, well, you know, it, it just shows that, um, the business is not perfect yet because there's people like her who should be making a lot of money, who are not right now. And uh, yeah, I don't, I can't even, yeah. It's probably something outside of the wrestling itself that you can't control um, that's stopping her. And it's probably a stupid reason. And I mean, uh, oh. yeah, I don't know what else to say because <laughs> just like you, there's um, she would be one of the first if I had my own division. Uh, I would definitely call her <laughs> right yeah, away.
0: Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Same here. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, when Nicole was on this podcast uh, a few months ago, she referred to you as her wrestling mom. And uh, <laughs> she told the story that the first time she wrestled against you, She was so nervous that she threw up before the match. Now, I'm sure you're aware of that story. But my question to you is, were you aware of it at the time when you got in the ring with her? Were you aware that this girl had just puked right before she got in?
1: (laughs) No, I've actually learned later. Um, Because it's, I think I told this story on Beyond the Bell, but it's, I think it's worth repeating because it, it's, it's funny in a way. And uh, now that we all know, like, now that we know our side of the story, <laughs> it's even better. Um, I was, um, I think it was a week before uh, that Shimmer taping. And Stefan Breer, who's like uh, Dave Prezak's right hand man when it comes to booking, um, sends me a message like, hey, who would you like to wrestle? I'm like, who do you got? And then he sends me a list. And then I see a few names and I start watching matches on YouTube. And then I see the name Nicole Savoy. I'm like, oh, I don't know her. And I look at her and I'm like, oh, she's got something. And it always sounds so cocky when I say it. <laughs> but that's exactly what I said to Stefan. I'm like, Stefan, give, give me this girl one match and she'll be a star. <laughs> I swear and I, I didn't say that in a cocky way, but I believe she had that something. Like I could definitely see it watching her matches. I'm like, give me one match with her, and I promise you she's something's gonna happen. Like I had so much confidence in her that she would put it off and we, we could do like create magic together. I was like, that's exactly what I said. And then when I say that, I'm like, well, that sounds bad, but it's it, it comes from a very good place. Like right. I knew she had that something. And when um, she actually learned um, going to Shima, she was wrestling me. But I knew for a while because I, I picked her. <laughs> so, uh, but I remember her uh, coming and seeing me, and she's holding her hands, and she's like, well, um. So um, we're we're wrestling. <laughs> I'm like, yes, we are, and I was, it was I was excited because I I was looking forward to it. But yeah, she was so shy and quiet, and she <laughs> while I was like putting on my boots and stuff, she was sitting in a corner like looking at me. I'm like, I think she's scared of me. Yeah, <laughs> but she was she was so cute, and of course we went out there and. I love this match. To this day, I still love this match. And um I remember crossing uh, the curtains, and Stefan hits me in the back. It's like, yep, you were right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, all right. So she was so nervous, as, as she said, going into that match. Yeah. But, uh Obviously, if you're going to be in the ring with Lufisto, like, you got to bring it, right? So. <laughs> Did it take her any time, like once she went out there, was she good like right from the start or or did it take her a little bit of time to sort of be like, okay, I got I to gotta bring it. I'm in the ring with Lufisto.
1: I, I think maybe the first few seconds when we were standing there face-to-face at the beginning, I could feel she was very nervous. But once yes. we started hitting each other and the match, the, the more I think the match progressed and that the fans were really getting into it, um, I could feel her confidence build up. And, um, yeah, b- besides the, those few seconds from the beginning, yeah, I just think she was really focused on, on doing good. And, like, I, I knew it was in her. So I had, like, like total confidence that, that she, would, she would do great. And, and she did. she, yeah, it's, it's all my matches with Nicole at Shimmer are part of my favorite matches there
0: yeah well yeah i could I could see why I'm, and I could see why the two of you would have such good chemistry together uh based on your styles and and your experience and your your skills and everything else uh but you mentioned um earlier about um you know giving advice to some of the younger generation and uh like like with nicole, she calls you her her wrestling mom um that's not something that you really had when you were young no <laughs> in the business right you didn't have that mentor. Or
1: someone to sort of take you under their wing. And it's definitely something I feel was missing. Um, And I had like teachers here and there. Like when I started wrestling, um, I was, I had a teacher here that I could go and his name was Pierre and I could go to him and ask questions. But um, the only thing I, like I remember he told me like, it's really hard for the guys wrestling you know, in general. But for the girls, it's it's worse. But he couldn't explain to me how bad it could get and what I would face as a woman in, in this man's world. And I was the only girl too. And I really feel it would have been great to have another woman, like, sit down with me and say, here's, here's what's going on. This is how you um, must react to things. This is how you have to deal with this. I really feel that throughout my career, especially the first years, I've learned a lot from making a lot of errors because I had no guidance. Um, And here and there, you know, there was always that good veteran guy that I could go to and ask questions, but it's, it's not the same as being face to face with someone like you who's been there. you can totally relate to. Right. Um, and definitely, yes, that's something I, I wish I had that. It's, it's something so beautiful today that there's all generations of women in the same locker room. And even if it's been two months, you've been in the business or 20 years or so everybody's helping each other. And if you have questions, there's always you know, there's going to be someone there to answer them. Um, and, yeah, definitely, uh, this is something that's really, really been missing.
0: Well, you've got such a wealth of, of knowledge. Um, you're obviously still an active wrestler. But when, when it comes time to maybe, add, you know, hang up the tights, um, are you interested in maybe transitioning into sort of an agent role or a trainer or, you know, maybe even a booker or be part of a creative team? Is that something that you would like
1: to do? Oh, definitely. I love, I love, love, love being an agent. I love to take two girls and work with them and build that match. So it makes sense. So we create a roller coaster of emotion and it's almost, I, I feel it's, it's as fulfilling as doing it myself. Like I don't need to be in the ring, just watching them succeed and, you know, create magic with the match we put together. Yeah, definitely. This is something I love. I don't know if it's you know training every day in the ring would be something um, that I would really be interested. I love I love teaching and training, but not as much as anything that has to you know the the creative side is more appealing to me. Uh, I design gear, um, I design T-shirts. So anything that has to do with being creative, um, you know, character development get the match together, uh, Booker would be something more interesting for me as well. Uh, Because I'm pretty good at at looking at the talent and seeing the strength and the weaknesses and, you know, pair up two people together that I could think could work well together. So I think that's really where my strengths are. So definitely more on the creative side than just the training side.
0: Okay, yeah, I could definitely, uh, just having watched you on Beyond the Bells and and some other interviews I've seen with you, I could definitely see you uh, in that side of the business too. It seems like you have a great mind for the business. And um, I know exactly what you're saying about uh, there's one thing to do it yourself, but you can also Mm -hmm. get just as much satisfaction helping others. Like I'll give the example for like myself as a writer, you know, transitioning into also being like an editor and helping other writers you know, editing their copy, writing headlines for their stories, you get just mm-hmm. as much, I get just as much satisfaction, uh, as if, you know, I write the story and it's my byline on it instead of someone else's. So, um, yeah, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm,
1: pretty, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, it's the same thing. Like it's, it's fulfilling in, in some other way, but like you're part of the process. Right. And you see someone grow right in front of your eyes and succeed. And when it comes to wrestling, I don't have to bump when I do that, so they take the bumps. So, right. I mean, it's another positive, right?
0: Yeah, that's a win-win right there. <laughs> win-win right there. <laughs> All right, well, we're just getting started here with uh, Lofisto. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more right after this.
2: It's been fun playing wrestling with y'all, but we got something even better. Hey! Honor Nation, it's the ROH Wrestling Honor Pals. The body slamming, drop kicking way to keep the fun going. We need some tougher competition. The Toro Bucko! Oh. Jay Schreller. Oh. She's the new Honor Pals champion. ROH
0: Wrestling Honor Pals. Bring home your favorite star at shophonor.com.
2: This is Quinn McKay of Ring of Honor Wrestling inviting you to Final
0: Battle. Ring of Honor's ultimate pay-per-view show of the year. It returns to Baltimore's Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena on Saturday, December 11th.
1: Final Battle is available on pay-per-view and streaming live for On Club. Keep it locked in to ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels for ticket-on-sale information so you can join us in Baltimore. All
0: right, we are back on the ROH Strong podcast. We are talking to Fisto. I want to go back uh, to your early days for a little bit, uh, if we can. Uh, You (laughs) you broke in in 97 when you were a teenager, right? You were about, what, 17 or 18 at that
1: time? Yeah, I was 17.
0: Okay. So now, as we've mentioned several times here, you're a pioneer in this business, specifically when it comes to intergender wrestling. How long into the business were you before you started wrestling men? Was it right away or was it women first and then you transitioned into wrestling men?
1: I had like, I think four, five matches with a woman and then she quit. <laughs> so <laughs> if I wanted to keep wrestling, um, it's like I, I needed to fight the guys. Um, I was, there was another girl that, uh, cause I moved to Montreal. So there was another girl there, but I was always wrestling the same girl. So by the end of 97 um, and beginning of 98, we started doing like mixed tag where she wasn't a, you know, a team and I was in the other one, but I was mixing it up with the guys. Cause I was like, I want to do this moves and um, she wouldn't, um, necessarily want to do the moves, or I was a bigger girl too, so I needed someone bigger to catch me. Or um, I was watching a lot of Japanese wrestling. That's that's maybe what the problem is. I wanted to do everything that like Bull Nakano was doing, and right. that that maybe was too much, too soon. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking back, like I because I, I wanted to be taken seriously so much, so I was like, I want to do this. I want to do this, and like when we, um we did the mixed tag, um, there, there was one guy uh, that was like, yeah, I'll do the moves with you. So it started like that. And then that girl stopped wrestling. So I ended up kind of being a manager. And I was like, I did not train for this. I really want to be a wrestler. And it took like, it took few weeks and then I ended up at ICW in Montreal and the promoter that was there was like, you know what, I'll wrestle you. I think there's there's definitely something interesting here. It's not something people usually see. And so yeah, real quick real quick I started to wrestle the guys. And actually by mid ninety eight I had my first cruiserweight championship and by the end of ninety nine I was a provincial champion. I already had like Male championships, and I was a main champion in 2001. So it, it, things went really fast, and mostly because there was no other women, but I wouldn't take no for an answer, I was like, "I'm not a manager. I'm a wrestler." Right. And obviously, it, it got me into some kind of trouble, because people thought like, "Oh, she thinks she's better than us, and girls don't do that, and who do you think you are?" But I, I just wanted to be taken seriously. So I was lucky enough that there was those few guys out there that wanted to work me. And that's how it started slowly. But in the process, there was also guys that didn't want to wrestle me. So broke my nose, punched me as hard as I could, stretched me. Uh, So different from today. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, it was a long process, but it, it, it
0: started very early. Well, you touched on something that I was actually going to ask you next was, did you run into situations where men said, no, I'm not going to sell for a woman? Or, uh, like you said, maybe try to potato you or take liberties and show you that you're really not that tough. So, I mean, those so obviously those things did happen to you. Was did it did it eventually ever get better or was it something that you constantly had to deal with throughout the years?
1: Uh, It's it got better with the years, but I would say the first years, um, like I, I got some guys that were like, no, I'm not wrestling her. So they wouldn't wrestle me at all. And some of the guys that had to, uh, they would just beat me up and pull my hair as hard as I, they could. And, Actually, if I talk a little bit funny now, it's because I do have Invisalign because I got hit on the mouth so much throughout my career that my teeth started to cave in. So Uh now we're trying to save them. (laughs) Uh And I'm actually, um, yeah, I got my nose broken quite a few times at the beginning of my career and throughout. So I'm actually getting surgery uh, next week to fix my nose because it's Like, yeah, it's been destroyed, like, different times, indeed, where um, a lot of them thought that women and men did not belong in the ring at the same time, and they were, they made sure they let me know.
0: Was there ever a moment when that's going on, when you're just like, did it ever cross your mind that, you know what, I don't know if this is worth it to get beat up like this, to put up with this crap? Uh, was there ever a moment where you thought like, I, I just, I don't know if I want to continue to do this or did it just maybe fortify your desire even more to prove everyone wrong and show that you could do it?
1: I, I probably thought about quitting every year, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, the, um, um, you know, wanting to change things that, that um, like, it was stronger than everything else. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to accept this. I'm not, you can't tell me I can't do something with, you know, because I'm a woman. And I mean, it starts from my youth because my father-in-law was like, you can't play baseball. You're a girl. You can't play football. You're a girl. Wrestling's not for girls. You can't do this. And I've always had that, that you know, that need to prove everybody wrong, that no, you're not going to tell me I can't do this because I'm a woman, because I'm small. It's, it was almost like obsessive and a mission at the same time. I'm like, you're not, you're not going to get me. I'm not going to quit. And, but I cried a lot. (laughs) I did cry a lot and I was hurt. And, but no, I wouldn't let them, I wouldn't let them win. Not at all
0: well i I admire your tenacity and your toughness because uh, I'll be honest, first time I got punched in the nose or punched in the mouth, check, please, I think I'm out. I think I would be out <laughs> if that happened but but yeah I, I wouldn't be in, in the ring, be in the ring in the first place, so um, <laughs> let me ask you though about wrestling in death matches uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: at what point did you start doing that, and i've always i've asked this to basically everyone who's ever done a death match why? what why would you do it what makes you want to get in the ring and take things to that extreme
1: um the first time i was involved in any type of like hardcore uh, kind of match where you know just chairs and um getting hits with cookie sheets and stuff it just happened i was wrestling um a guy in in, in montreal and we ended up outside and fighting with with things that were underneath the ring And then the crowd went so nuts. Like, first of all, because it was a man versus a woman hitting each other with, you know, stuff. And I was like, wow, that reaction is really something. And they really got mad. And there was almost a riot. I'm like, this is so cool. (laughs) But it it was more. um, And then I think the thing that really triggered my need to push the limits is every time I would do something with a weapon or something. Usually another wrestler would come to me and say, why do you do that? You don't need to do that. You're a girl. That's not, that's ugly for girls. I'm like, Oh yeah. Watch me. <laughs> it, it was like, like it was insulting. And so every match I would add a little something starting with chairs and then the guardrails and then the pump tacks, and then, you know, the tables, and then let's go to barbed water and then let's go with the lights. The lights were like my main thing. Um, and it, it goes back to the same reason why I was wrestling the guys, because people were telling me I could not do it. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. Cause you know, it's not because I'm a woman that you're going to stop me. I'm trained to do this. I want to push my own limits. I want to show the world that the girls can do it too. We can do it better. Um, even, <laughs> you know, we, we can even do it better. And yeah, it was, it, it's, it's, I think it's the, always the same drive in a way um, that fueled everything from, you know, intergender to even death matches. So
0: I'm gonna, i want going to ask you about like um, pain tolerance, right? Because I remember, mm-hmm. you know, when Mick Foley was in his prime and he was doing all kinds of crazy things, you know, people would say, Oh my God, he's impervious to pain. And Mick's like, no, I'm not impervious to it. Like it hurts, but I, I, I do it anyway. Right. And uh, PCO is another guy that uh, comes to mind with that. Um, you no know, put it's not like it's he's impervious to it he just has a high pain tolerance is that something that you noticed about yourself that you you had a high pain tolerance and that's why you were able to do these matches
1: oh definitely i would like i would do one of those matches and then the next day i would be okay and if i had like um you know cuts and stuff they were almost closed the next day so i was like it's like my body was built to do it and mm. Uh, it was a great way for me to prove that, um, you know, I, I almost think like doing the death matches back then, I won't, I always felt it was necessary to be taken seriously because otherwise I was just a girl trying to wrestle the guys or, oh, um, but when I got into death matches, that's where it was like, okay, this is serious. Like she's, she's tough. She's taking all the hits. She's taking all the bumps. Um, and even the first time I went to CZW, I really feel that John Zandig that was there didn't take me seriously. And then after I took a few hits and did the few matches, he looked at me and just went like, hmm, <laughs> like he finally got it. <laughs> like, <laughs> And then he, he he nodded and like after that, like I became his champion.
0: <laughs> right. Did you beat? Uh, is that the? Did you beat Kevin Steen for that championship, or was that? Yeah, that
1: yeah, that was a uh, Kevin Steen. Yes.
0: What was that like working with with Kevin? Was he uh, was he cool with with uh working with a woman and, and everything like that? And, and, and oh do, yeah.
1: I've, yeah, i yeah, I've wrestled Kevin twice plus that match, and um and um, no, it was. I always felt the he hit me as hard as he would hit everybody else. And it, I w- I just felt the same, uh, just like a regular opponent. And it was actually his idea for me to become champion. And it was, it was kind of a weird thing where um, <laughs> we, um we, we were like partners, but there was that stipulation that anybody could pin him in the match. So we got into an argument. So I fought him and I beat him. It's like, Weird story, but I ended up with with the championship. But no, it was – Kevin was always a professional. And, I mean, it all started with him making that joke to his endings, like, hey, give it to her. And he's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) And then I ended up champion, so I owe him for that.
0: (laughs) I'm not asking you to name any names, but have you ever uh, been booked against a man – and he was fine with working with you, had no problem if it was, you know, if he was to do the honors or whatever, but treated you uh, not like an equal, like wanted to take it easy on you. Had you ever come across that where you had to pull the guy aside and say, look, it's insulting if you don't wrestle me the way you would wrestle another guy?
1: Oh, it happened. But usually when they get in the ring with me <laughs> and then I start hitting, they seem like, it's like, I'm. this is how I'm hitting you. I'm expecting the same thing back. So they. Okay. They kind of (laughs) know, they kind of (laughs) know.
0: So let's, when you, when you talk about hardcore matches or death matches specifically to me, there's two names that come to mind, Necro Butcher, Nick Gage, you've been in the ring with both of those guys. Uh, (laughs) I just, uh, what, I mean, if for anybody out there, who's not familiar, you know, Necro Butcher obviously did some work in ring of honor years ago, Nick Gage still going strong, Mm -hmm. Uh, check out their stuff. You'll see what I'm talking about. Um, what was it like getting in there with those two under those circumstances?
1: Scary. <laughs> um, Nick it's, it's I have like a weird feud with Nick where he would show up every match I had at CCW and would like give me his finisher. So every match I would hear <laughs> for whom the bell tolls and to turn around and he was there. I can't hear that song without thinking about, you know, he's gonna come out of somewhere. <laughs> um, and I ended up in the cage of death with him. It was um, Lobo, John Zandig and him. So it was scary, but I survived. And um, Nick Butcher, we ended up being in the finals of the King of the Death Matches tournament. And my God, um, he, (laughs) he went really hard and like, I I wouldn't expect anything else from him. And he treated me really as an equal. And as you know, I, I got beat up pretty good and he's got beat up. I actually broke, I actually broke my wrist on his face while I broke his face. It's like, wow. (laughs) I'm, I'm laughing now, but I was not laughing back then. (laughs) It hurt. Um, it hurt. And, but at least, you know, I, I did get the one, two, three on the necro butcher, and after he grabbed the mic and he's like, you know, I, I didn't hold back anything on her and tonight, well, you know, she's the man. So (laughs) I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Wow. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about intergender wrestling. Um, sort of its place in the current wrestling landscape, as we mentioned, when you were doing it, it, it wasn't something really, well, you were really the only one doing it for the most part. Um, and it's certainly become more accepted now, but I think it's still polarizing. I think there are people who, uh, love it. Some people who it's really not their cup of tea. What are your thoughts about it in the current landscape?
1: Well, I, I always compare it to death matches in a way where, um, you either love it or you don't. And it's it's okay. It's not like it's okay not to love every style of wrestling out there. Um the only thing that I usually don't um don't agree with is when people compare it to domestic violence. Because as a professional wrestler, um I choose to be there, I choose to be in that environment. Uh I was trained to do this. And I'm I'm ready for whatever is happening right now. When we're talking about domestic violence, it's not something that should happen. It's not something um, that the person, you know, wishes that it happens. Um, I don't necessarily like all kinds of high flying wrestling. I really like the strong style. So I'm going to watch this. And yeah, if you're not into it, it's okay. Just Just don't watch it. But don't don't categorize it as something like um, being domestic violence or something else. It's really two athletes who want to go out there, offer a great performance and fight and they choose to be there.
0: Right. Well, I think that's the key. Like you just said, it's no one's forcing you to do this. Mm -hmm. This is a choice that you're making. No one's taking advantage of you or putting you in a a dangerous situation because something you want to be in. Like you said, it's uh, it's two athletes. And Mm -hmm. um, even though wrestling is not quote unquote, a you know, as true competition or whatever, obviously, uh, when you're in there, especially when you're talking about, uh, your, you know, strong style or hardcore matches, death matches, there's certainly nothing, you know, to use the F word, there's nothing fake about it. That's for darn. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, 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 here's my thing. Um, I look at intergender wrestling kind of on a case by case basis. Maybe you'll disagree with me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you'll agree, but I think, like, if I see you in the ring against a guy, I believe it because of your style, because of your toughness. If I were to see someone like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to single her out. Let's say Roxy, who's like five feet mm-hmm. tall. Great women's wrestler, but she's like five feet tall. If I were to see her in the ring with, I don't know, a, 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 let's just say a PCO, um, I don't know that I could suspend disbelief. I mean, mm-hmm. do you see that or do you think, no, there's a way to make anything work?
1: No, I'm one of those who believe that intergender wrestling is not for every wrestler out there. Not every woman can go out there and make it look believable, make it look good. Uh, if you are working just as the guys, and um, I always take the you know the example of Rey Mysterio and The Big Show. You got if you build your match as giant versus speed and quickness and agility or or anything else. It really doesn't matter what your gender is, if if everything makes sense. Um, but, you know, it, you're still finding somebody who's bigger. So you have to work the match accordingly. And if you can't do it, then maybe, you know, intergender wrestling is not for you. Um, I, I absolutely agree that it's not for every woman out there. And it's not for every man either some men are not comfortable working women and it's okay. Um, You you can wrestle somewhere else, uh, someone else. And um, it always depends if you don't wanna work a woman because you think it's gonna hurt um, the way you look, then I would really ask you to reconsider. (laughs) And uh, you know, it's today, it's not as, how can I explain, um, you know, Batman and Catwoman have been fighting for years and people are still watching the movies. Right. Because it's been it's been presented in a believable way, or Captain Marvel. We're like we're all kinds of like superheroes, but with no superpowers. But we can we can fight. We right. can we can use whatever agility or, or strength we have and hide our weaknesses. And um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I do agree with that. It's not for every wrestler out there. Let
0: me ask you about. Um... You know, we, I talked, we talked earlier about, you know, Nicole Savoy not being signed to a major company and how that's just, you know, kind of crazy. But um, you personally, uh, you've never worked for a major company, which, again, as much as you've accomplished in this business, um, is that something, I, I guess maybe it's to be expected because you were so much different than everyone else and what everything, you know, what the norm, the quote unquote norm was as far as how women were being booked. Mm-hmm. But now like twenty five years into your career, when you look at it, um is it something that bothers you that you never got that larger platform, even though you have wrestled literally all
1: over the world definitely, because when when you're when you become a wrestler or an athlete in general, the goal is to make it to your final well the goal is to make it to your goal <laughs> I mean, right. it it's so if you want to be better you want to be you want to fight the best out there and usually um some of the best are on the independents but a lot of them are on the major promotions and i i've always felt there was something missing because i've worked so hard for everything i had and i even went to court for women's right in wrestling and i'm like i still feel there's that's something missing where I have work, 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 but the major payoff, and I'm not talking necessarily about money here, but the um, joy of walking down, like, the hallway to a major show and being on on TV or working superstars that you watch. And, um, yeah, definitely it's, for me at least, I I feel... um, I'll never be satisfied until I get there. If I get there and uh, it sounds bad when I say it, but I feel if it's something that would not happen, I would feel like my career is a, a failure. Uh,
0: well, I I could understand that, I guess, from your perspective, I think um, from an outside perspective, I think no matter what happens, you know, uh, I don't think you could say that your your career has been a failure, certainly. But I could understand why you would feel that way, because you know, you didn't reach what in your mind might be your your ultimate goal. But certainly the contributions you've made over the last 25 years, um, and, and are still making, and are, you know, the knowledge that you're passing on to the next generation, your impact will be felt for, you know, years and years to come. So I think there's, there's a way to look at it that way, too. You know, I think you can certainly be proud of everything that you've done and, and your legacy going forward.
1: Well, thank you. <laughs> but unfortunately, I feel that, Um, and and it's, it's like that, like everywhere it's, as long as it's not on TV, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, if, if I, um, it happens like a lot of times where people was like, Oh, this is the first time this is happening in women wrestling. And well, we did this 20 years ago, or (laughs) we did this 10 years ago, but because it was not on TV, people don't know about it Right. or it's not like it's it might be in a few books but then people don't research about it and it's like I always say no tv no history and that's a sad thing because there's a lot of good things that happen on the independence and well women's wrestling is one of the main thing where people talk about, oh, the knockouts. Oh, the women's revolution at WWE. It's like, no, all this started on the independent circuit. Yep. It's women out there who fought and clawed and like, then after, you know, bigger promotion took notice and finally like it got bigger there too. And then got taken seriously a little bit everywhere, but like, the road to what it is today in women's wrestling history is so much, it's a longer road than just, like, oh, the women's revolution or this and that that we saw on TV. It, it started, like, really, like, in the underground of, of wrestling. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. All right, well, I'm going to squeeze
0: in another break here. We're uh, having a wonderful conversation here with Lofisto. We got more to talk about right after this. Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the
1: planet. I'll see you there.
0: This is the Mecca, Brian Johnson of Ring of Honor Wrestling, inviting all you bozos to Final Battle, Ring of Honor's biggest pay-per-view show of the year. It returns to the UMBC campus live on Saturday night, December 11th. Final Battle is available on pay-per-view and streaming live on Honor Club. So keep it locked in to ROHwrestling.com, bozos, for ticket on sale information so you can join us. All right, back on the ROH Strong Podcast with Um, uh, I wanna to touch on something uh, of a more serious nature, but I know you've, you've spoken about it openly before. Uh, so in 2018, uh, there were cancerous cells found on your cervix and you had to undergo surgery. Um, can you just talk about um, that whole ordeal that you had to go through just from a, a mental standpoint as well as the physical aspect and uh and just what that that period was like for you
1: um so i was living in the united states back then so i hadn't had like um that regular pap test for about 3 years cuz i it was really expensive in the states so one day i'm like oh i should get that and um then i got blood test also and um i get a call and then my doctor's like well we found something it doesn't really look really good so um, we need you to go for a biopsy. I'm like, okay. So I go and get the biopsy. And, um, then a few days later, I fly to Florida where I am the shine wrestling champion. And I'm at my hotel before the show. Holiday is there. And I think Jordan Grace is there and I get a phone call. So I see that it's like a unknown number. So I go out uh, out of the room, and it's my doctor. Who says, "Well, I'm sorry, it is cancer." So right before I had to defend my championship, uh, I was told I had cancer, and I was like, "Okay, so what are my options?" She's like, "Well, the good news is we caught it very early, so we might be able to avoid any chemo or radio or stuff like that if we get you." to the surgery and remove everything as soon as possible and I'm like okay so I go out there I do my match I fly back home and during the week I end up at the hospital where they tell me that the surgery is going to cost me over $10,000 and me being a permanent resident and um I have no medicare I do have insurance but it's very limited um cuz The insurance company won't cover me because I'm an immigrant. I'm just a a permanent resident, and I haven't been in the States for five years. So I can't get a loan, uh, so I take a loan in Canada. My mom sends me the money, and uh, I'm like, I can't can't pay for this because the biopsy and the blood test and the pap test and everything else that I had was already close to $10,000. Um, so that was like another 10 and I'm like, my God, what am I going to do? So I'm trying to figure out what to do while I have this. And it needs to be taken care of like real quick if I want to avoid everything else. And, um, there's also talks that, Hey, maybe it's going to go into the uterus. And, uh, so it's really, it's, it's really, um, stressful and I'm still wrestling because I'm trying to get money and um that's where I'm like extremely grateful that um I was really um like I, I told everybody that I had it and what was going on and the fans uh started to send me money and I would go to beyond wrestling somebody would come and buy me a shirt and give me money. And then I would look into my, my, my hand and hand. like, oh, there's way too much. He's like, no, you keep it. And I'm, I do have like such a great relationship with my fans. I don't even have words where people started to raise money for me. And um, Dave Brazak from Shimmer had an auction where he raised about like $1,000 for me and the wrestling community like really came together and helped and one person I really want to give credit to and I things have would have been a lot worse if it was not from her and it's Marty Bell Marty Bell reached out to me and it's like do you know about Planned Parenthood they could help you for a lot less and I had being Canadian I had no clue what it was <laughs> and um I reached out and they were able to get me the surgery at a lot less money because I already had $10,000 in debt. And so I was able to get that surgery and it was successful. And um, that was, so I did a shimmer show in uh, beginning of April and the following week I was getting the surgery. Um, the bad thing that happened, though, is three months after I had some cells trying to come back. And that's basically where I decided it's like I need to go back to Canada because they were talking about you need to go see an oncologist and you need more tests. And it's like, I can't afford this. Yeah. Um, so that's basically why I've decided to go back to Canada to get my health care back because I just could not afford it.
0: And so everything's all good now, though, right, from a health standpoint?
1: Oh yeah, like it's it's been it's been great since. Cause here I get checked every. Uh, at first I was getting checked every three months, and then six, and uh, now I'm getting checked yeah every six months to make sure that nothing reappears. And if they would be something, um, they burn it right away. And it's really taking care of like here. It's um, yeah. It's I, I have a great great doctor and um, with, with the healthcare system we have here, like, I'm really blessed that if anything happens, then I know I'm, I'm safe.
0: Well, and that's great news. And obviously, um, and that's just a great story too, about the, uh, outpouring of support that you received from the wrestling community. I mean, we can, oh, all, we can all be cynical about things, you know, here <laughs> and there, but when something like that, where you see people reaching out to someone that they I mean, obviously they feel a connection to you, but they don't truly know you on a personal mm-hmm. level they still want like that's amazing you know that that's just um oh well, no it's gotta be an awesome feeling for you just you know to know that you made an impression on them to the point where they they want they want to help you in any way they can um, so that's
1: definitely that. it it is and while um i I've been open about um mental illness as well, and I was also fighting a big depression when i I had the cancer and i had so many people reach out to say thank you for letting people know that you suffer depression cuz i do too and i had a lot of people from the army uh writing about their you know telling me their stories about when they went to war and the uh, the struggle they had you know with with the memories they were uh in the nightmares they had and it's like um in some way, it it, it felt um, like you always feel alone when these things happen, but you're you definitely you're not, and it helped me like with people like that reaching out and you know telling me their stories, um, made me feel that you know we we're all humans and we all have different struggles and we can help each other
0: absolutely and um you know i think it's great that you do you know that you are open about it you talk about it because you know we've all um you know whether it's people that we know in the business or even you know people that we might have in our lives we've all had somebody uh dealing with depression we've lost people mm-hmm. um you know because of it and um you know it, without getting too deep into the woods here it's like we, you know <laughs> we got to get over the the stigma of of mental illness and i think that's a that's a big part of it. And the more people who do have a platform, I think are open about it and share their experiences. You know, I think it, it's helping other people out there. there's no question about it, who who might be dealing with with similar circumstances. Mm, um, definitely. I know that in, uh, in 2019, you actually announced that you were retiring from the ring. Was mm-hmm. that, was that because of uh, what you had gone through uh, with everything from the cancer to the, Financial hardships and everything—is that why you decided to step away,
1: or 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 what exactly? It it was it was like a lot of things together. Um, And the way I presented it back then was that I had hurt my knee and it was not recovering, and it it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad, that's for sure. But I fell down the stairs and I sprained my knee. And the doctor told me, your knee's really bad, and uh, you should stop. And I'm like, okay, here's my way out. But I just think, like, um, the real reason was that I had enough of everything. I had enough of wrestling. I had enough of the politics. I have enough of the injury. I had enough of um, fighting. And um, I was just tired. And – um it's something that I actually shared with the Tag Me In campaign. Um, my, my full video was not released yet, but it, it's okay. I'm, it, it's going to be eventually, I guess. And my plan was just to leave everything. Um, I, I was done with wrestling, and I was done with life, and I had my plan and that was it like I'm like I fought for so long and I didn't get anything and I'm still struggling financially I don't feel good about myself I'm always depressed I went from I I had a divorce I had to move back to Canada Uh, I fell down the stairs like an idiot and it was like (laughs) everything was so so dark and um Sometimes you meet the right person at the right time, and that's exactly what happened with me. My my boyfriend Jean Michel, um, I've known him for 20 years, but we never <laughs> we never even thought about being together. And I went to a show because um, after the injury, I was like, oh, I'm gonna do a few shows, and then I'm you know it's gonna be it. I'm 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 gone. And I met him that night and we started talking and it's like everything clicked and he's been my anchor ever since. And he's been, he's one of the main reason why I'm, he's probably the main reason I'm still here today and that I'm still wrestling because he's my biggest supporter um he's like you can't quit you work too hard and he's known me for 20 years so he saw the struggle and the evolution and everything uh of you know genevieve the <laughs> <laughs> and um oh yeah he's like you can't quit you you've worked so hard and see you did that and you did that and you changed that and he, he's like reminding me of things that I did (laughs) because I'm like, yeah, it's not important. People don't know about it. He's like, yeah, but you did it, you know? And um, really he's, yeah, he, he really saved me.
0: Well, that's awesome that you have that support system like that. Um, I think that's great. And, uh, and yeah, you want to be able to, um, when you decide to retire, step away, whatever, like do it for the right reasons and do it Mm -hmm. on your own terms When you feel when you can feel good about it, I think that's kind of, you know, that's what we'd all like to do, right? Like get out on our own terms and and feel good when we walk away from whatever it is that you know, whatever uh, walk of life, whatever job we might be doing. Mm -hmm. Well, let me. um, I want to lighten the mood. (laughs) We got serious there, but I know you and I share something in common beyond a love of wrestling, and that's a love of metal music
2: oh
0: yeah uh, yeah I'm a a big metal head growing up um how did you how did you first get into metal I
1: understand you're a
0: huge Iron Maiden fan is that right Mm -hmm.
1: um it started like my first memory in life my (laughs) is 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 my uncle telling me about that record that if you play it backward, the devil's talking like he was trying <laughs> to scare me, but he was actually talking about a uh, number of the beast, Right. <laughs> but I was like three or four. I can't remember. And, um, it was really when I was about, I would say nine, maybe 10 years old that, um, me and my my best friend, Dave, he's like, I've heard this song in this movie. It's great. I think it's called Jump in the Fire. It's like something in the fire. So we were yeah. trying to find that song. And we ended up buying uh, Metallica's Jump in the Fire, like the EP. And that was not the song we were looking for, but we were hooked. <laughs> I was like, this is so good. And then um, we discovered Iron Maiden's um it was Mother Russia and No Prayers for the Dying. And from there, like I asked my mom to buy me a guitar. So at 10 years old, I had an electric guitar and I was playing Metallica. <laughs> and I went to see them. We won tickets. I was in the snake pit with my friend Dave. And I switched to bass because I wanted to be like Jason Newsted. <laughs> and um yeah it's just like from that yeah about 10 years old like it's it's been metal 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 and um slayer and anthrax and exodus and judas priest and of course maiden it's it's basically like when i was like this age like a a teenager i was wearing jeans and metal shirts and i'm 41 today and i'm still wearing jeans and metal shirts
0: (laughs) nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. No, 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 I can, uh, I'm a little bit older than you. So back in 1982, I actually went to see Judas Priest in concert, Iron Maiden as the opening act. How great. Wow. Yeah.
1: That is awesome. I was actually, I had tickets for Judas Priest, um, like a few weeks ago, but then, you know, with with what happened with the good. Yeah. Um, so it's postponed but i'm waiting i'm ready and i think i saw maiden five or six times and i saw metallico maybe five times and um who else my god king diamond i love king diamond um yeah like <laughs> that's that's what we do like even like in montreal there's that big uh heavy metal like festival like heavy montreal yeah. so we're there I, of course it didn't happen last year because of the pandemic but we're waiting um yeah my boyfriend's a big festival kind of guy and he jumps in the pit and we actually jumped in the mosh pit at anthrax uh (laughs) like it was really fun the wall the wall of death and the war dance and yeah here's some 40 year old people like just jumping in there
0: (laughs) yeah but those kids those kids had no idea that they were in the in the pit with lufisto
2: so
1: (laughs) Well, no, it's funny that you mentioned it because someone like they recognized my boyfriend oh. also here, and they recognized us. Was so like, "Hey, you guys!" <laughs> and, then, like, and they took pictures, and it ended up somewhere on some metal Facebook page. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> well,
0: I, let me ask you this question. Oh, you know, you mentioned King Diamond though. Yes. I like King Diamond was the guy like. Man, when you see a picture of him, you're like, oh, man, this is this is badass. Like, I want to love yeah. this. But then yeah. when I heard the music, it's like I couldn't get into that falsetto. It just it could it just didn't do it for me. I don't know. It's I,
1: special that you have to be into it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But let me ask you about um, you mentioned the number of the beast. Uh, mm-hmm. That was obviously Bruce Dickinson, lead singer. Were you? Into, one, yeah. Did you then did you research like old school Iron Maiden, like when Paul Diano was the lead singer?
1: Oh yeah. I still, I still listen to older Iron Maiden. Um, like I, the, the first two albums are just, are just great. Like Sanctuary and yeah. Phantom of the Opera and uh, I, I, the I Little Sun is an amazing song. It's like, there's, there's so many great things. Cree, uh Bruce. So I, I pretty much love everything. Even things with, with Blaze Bailey, uh, not all of them, but you know, the the men on the edge and I love 2am and, Everything Iron Maiden, like it's it's so unique and it's it's melodic and it's heavy at the same time. And now they're a little more into prog. And this, they change every album, yep. which keeps them so interesting. So yeah, I, I love all my Maiden. <laughs> well,
0: that first album, like you said, Sanctuary, Phantom of the Opera, Charlotte mm-hmm. the Remember that was yep. a great song. <laughs> um, here's another uh, story that'll show you how old I am. Uh, when MTV first came around, 1981, you're probably like in diapers at this point.
1: I was one year old. <laughs> you're one
0: years old. But MTV was this new thing, right? Like, oh, my God. They play, but they didn't have that many videos. So you would say, you know, I don't know how many it was, a dozen, two dozen, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they would play a lot of the same. And one of the early videos was a live version of the song Iron Maiden so like my friends and i would literally sit in front of the tv like watching mtv for hours just waiting
1: waiting for the iron maiden
0: (laughs) and it was so cool because back at you know they had like in the uh, we call it like the lower third the graph you know the um it would have the title of it would have the band Mm -hmm. title and the album and it was the only one i can remember it was like iron maiden iron maiden Iron Maiden.
2: Maiden. (laughs) The band,
0: (laughs) the song, the name of the album. (laughs) But so you mentioned playing, uh, playing guitar. And, um, I mean, did you just pick up the guitar and learn it? Were you like self-taught or did you like take lessons? Like,
1: How did that? No, at first I did take lessons. Like that was part of the package deal of my Christmas present that year. (laughs) I got a guitar, a little amplifier and some, you know, uh, guitar classes from my mom. Um, that was my Christmas present. So, um, yeah. And a lot of it though, I'm, I'm like good enough to listen to a song and be able to pick it up without, I, I can't read like notes, but I, I read the tabs. So I'm pretty good at, Uh, just looking at tabs or even uh, listening to a song and then try to like I kind of figure it out
2: Uh,
0: very very cool let me ask you about um, because obviously there's different genres of metal Mm -hmm. and so anybody who's a metal fan I like to ask them what do you think about the hair bands like like (laughs) Poison obviously you know we've been talking about Maiden and Anthrax and Metallica but what do you think about like the poisons, the warrants, the wingers? I mean, can you appreciate what they bring to the? No, I do. I
1: do appreciate that. Like even today, like Steel Panther, I really like. (laughs) (laughs) How
0: can you not love Steel Panther, right? How
1: can you not love? I know. Here's a funny story at Heavy Montreal. We go to see Hatebreed and, People are nuts in that pit and I'm getting really pissed off and somebody kicks me in the knee and one gives me an elbow in the face. So I punch someone. I'm like, I'm out of here. And I'm so pissed. I'm so pissed. I'm like, they kicked my knee. <laughs> and I'm very protective of my knees.
2: I, I, uh, I, I, after I'm that,
1: sure. my, my boyfriend goes like, okay, there's municipal ways, but then there's still Panther. Where do you want to go? I'm like, <sighs> I'm like, let's go see Still pander, And they made me so happy. I forgot about everything that happened before.
0: There you go. There
1: you go. Here you go.
0: Yeah, I think some of my friends sometimes, they, they want to revoke my metal card, you know, because uh, like Warrant is one of my favorite bands of all time.
1: I um, like Accept and I also like Wasp. <laughs> Not really me- like glam or hair, but like in between, like it's...
0: Yeah, I saw. I really like them. I I saw Accept open up for Kiss back in the '80s. Bye. I only remember one song: "Balls to the Wall." That's the one. That's the one. One. What everybody remembers, right? (laughs) All right. Well, here's here's last last music question. You being a a Canadian, one of my probably my all time favorite band along with with Kiss would be Rush. Not exactly a metal band. But I thought
1: you were going to say Hanville.
0: <laughs> no, no, Rush has been my favorite band for, for so many years. You know, they started out um, kind of heavy in the beginning. Their mm-hmm. first album kind of sounds like, uh, they sound like Led Zeppelin imitators. basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously they, they evolved over the years. They got a lot into keyboards and such. But where do you stand on on Rush.
1: I'm I don't necessarily listen to Rush but if I hear it playing on, on the radio I'm definitely going to listen. I appreciate how creative they are and they were ahead of their time. Like they yeah. would they would like they had like sounds that you can hear anywhere else. Like they were really like they were special and uh, yeah I really appreciate how they stand out.
0: Yeah, it's like my two favorite bands Kiss and Rush couldn't be more different. Because yeah. KISS, you know, three-chord three rock, you know, all about the showmanship and everything, you know, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons will tell you they were never the greatest musicians or songwriters or whatever, as far as, you know, lyrics and things like that. Then mm-hmm. you got Rush, who are just like these incredible, incredible musicians. Neil, Neil Peart, greatest drummer, I think, of all time. Um, you know, but it's like they couldn't be any more different than KISS, <laughs> yet I love them. Love them both equally. Unfortunately, you know Neil Neil passed away. Rush is no more. But Mm -hmm. I was lucky. You know, I started seeing those bands when I was a kid and ended up, you know, seeing them well into adulthood. So I probably seen Kiss twenty five times, Rush twenty five times. You know, very fortunate that over a forty year span, I got to see those bands. I never would have guessed, you know, in like nineteen eighty, like I'd still be seeing these bands (laughs) forty years later. But here we go. All right. Last thing I want to talk to you about. I I saw this on your website and this, this is just seems so cool. You're involved in an audio podcast called the Luchador, 1000 fights of El Fuego. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, I'm just going to read the, the description off the website. It says the mighty Lucha Libre champion of Mexico city does battle in and out of the ring with deadly vampires, dangerous mobsters, and the ethical complications of maintaining a rigid moral philosophy you had me at deadly vampires but uh so you were the voice of a character called Lorena Blanca yes how did you get involved with this just seems so cool how did you get involved with this
1: I I simply got uh an email from a gentleman called Dan Fletcher and he's like I would really like you to be the voice of this character so I was like, oh, sure. (laughs) Like, that sounds really interesting. And I didn't know back then, like, who else would be involved, or maybe he told me, and I I didn't either remember or notice her. (laughs) And I just thought it was cool. So he's like, here are your lines, and just, you know, say them, record them on your phone, and send them to me. And um, I was living in um i didn't have my own house back then i was like in in, in an apartment where well someone was living on the top of me so i, I hid in the closet <laughs> <laughs> to the voices so they wouldn't think i would be screaming or talking to myself
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well uh i'd see some other names that are involved uh people like dan Housen, obviously dan Housen. Big, mm-hmm. big Ring of honor favorite um colt cabana of course uh raven luchasaurus effie all these people that uh Mm -hmm. everyone's familiar with uh, in ring of honor for sure uh how often how many episodes have you done uh how often do does a new episode come out where can people find it all that good stuff
1: um for how many episodes I'm not sure because they really sent me like a script for all the lines I had to um okay. I think I'm only in one or two episodes I could be wrong but yeah they just sent me all the lines I had to say and then they would put everything together not everything has been released yet um I don't remember the name of the website but if you go on lufisto.com it's right there in the front page you just have to click on it <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah that's where i found it i was i was looking at yeah. the website and i was like oh what is what is this <laughs> um, are you a fan at all of those old because it reminds me of like the old mexican wrestling movies
1: yeah like el, el santo, el there's santo actually, yeah there's Nascarance. um there's, yeah. there's a festival in montreal uh called fantasia where um, they would present at midnight, all the El Santos, like, um, movies, and you would go there. And the funny thing is, just like a wrestling match, they would let you comment and scream things at the screen. And it was like, so fun. So yeah, I'm really, (laughs) I I know about those movies, and I've seen them, not all of them, but (laughs) because of that festival in Montreal, where uh, there's like El Santos movies, every time there's a festival.
0: (laughs) Yeah, El Santo, and also Mil Mascaris did a bunch of those. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so so cool seeing those things. It's you mentioned like the the fans or the the people watching it, like interactive. Um, mm-hmm. That reminds me of uh, like the
1: Rocky Horror Picture Show. Have you ever? Yep. Have you ever Been to Rocky Horror? I have. I've been. I didn't go there, but I've heard about it, and yeah. I know I know the movie, but I have never. I know they they have like plays and stuff, but I've never been there.
0: Yeah, it's very much audience participation. Uh, there's certain – first time I went, um, someone was a veteran who had been to them before, so knew what to <laughs> – like, you have to bring certain things. You throw, like, toilet paper at the – you know, it's like all the – it's 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 a trip. <laughs> it's wild. And the, it, if you're going to see Rocky Horror, you have to go see it in the theater. It just doesn't do it justice watching it on TV without the audience participation. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to take our final break, and then when we come back, we're going to play 10 Questions with Lofisto. This is Moses from Soldiers of Savagery at Ring of Honor Wrestling, inviting you to Final Battle, Ring of Honor's most ult- no no, most savage pay-per-view show of the year. It returned to Baltimore's Chesapeake Employees Insurance Arena on Saturday, December 11th. Final Battle is available on pay-per-view and streaming live for Honor Club. Keep it locked. into ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels for ticket-on-sale information so you can join us in Baltimore. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. It's been a very uh, entertaining, uh, fun conversation with Lufisto. But now it's time to play a little game we like to call 10 Questions. Uh, Lufisto, are you ready for these?
1: I am.
2: (laughs) And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. (laughs) <laughs>
0: Question number one: What's something on your bucket list?
1: Oof, um, I'd like to see Egypt. <laughs> it's really random, but it's really something I would like to do.
0: God, I would absolutely be, see the pyramids. Yeah, that's. Oh yeah,
1: I I'm fascinated by Egyptian history, so I would love love to see that. And if I would be like really really rich, I would like to own a house where I can have unlimited cats.
0: well that's gonna that's funny that you should say that because that's gonna scratch off one of the you've already answered another question on uh, really i did (laughs) question uh, question number nine which we can now uh, skip was are you a dog person or a cat person oh cats i have four What, you don't like dogs? What? What's, dogs have a lot of personality. I
1: like him, but cats are like, oh, I, I love my, like, my cats are all over my Instagram. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I love my cats. Okay. All right.
0: I don't know. I've never warmed, cats have never uh, warmed up to me. I'm, dogs love me though. So I don't know. Maybe that's.
1: <laughs> you need the right breed. That's why. Yes,
0: you do. Yeah. Most cats that I've been around or seen, it's like, they really don't care whether you're in the room or not. Whereas a dog, like, is so happy to see you, you know? (laughs) But maybe your cats are different.
1: Yeah, my cats are different.
0: (laughs) Question number two. What's a subject you'd like to know more about?
1: Hmm. Probably overall medicine. Um, I like to know how... No, you know what? Politics... I'd like to know how politics works in different countries. Cause when I was in the States, I could not understand everything when it comes to Congress or the house of representative. And it was like, there's so many things that are different from Canada. I'm like, I really like politics. (laughs) I'd like to learn more about it.
0: Well, politics in this country are, uh, they're pretty interesting. Let's just you know, leave, it at that. <laughs> leave it at that, especially uh, uh, in this day and age. Okay, uh, question number three. If you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure, past or present, who would it be?
1: Oh, Dio. Oh,
0: yeah, there's a good yeah, one. Yeah, I'd
1: like to talk to Dio. Have you seen Dio live? No. that uh, Yeah, no, I would really like to hear him sing. Yeah. So I saw Dio,
0: the band Dio, and I also saw Black Sabbath when Dio was the lead singer. Wow. Nice. Yeah. See, this, this, heaven ben- and Hell
1: is still one of my favorites.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. See, it's the benefit of being old. I can, say, <laughs> yeah, I can say, yeah, I'm old, but I saw some really cool. People.
1: I, I saw his tombstone in Los Angeles and Hollywood, but unfortunately, I've never seen him.
0: Yeah, what an amazing voice. What an amazing. Voice. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Question number four. Do you have any hidden talents? Now we already know you can play guitar. So that doesn't, we already learned that. Anything else?
1: I, I draw. Uh, I can, I can draw someone's face pretty easily. I can design tattoos. I've won several drawing contests as a, a kid, a teenager. I've won several singing contests. Um, however, right now my voice is really messed up from screaming at wrestling. But I, I was in a, two choirs. I was a soprano and a soloist, And I, um, yeah, I won contests <laughs> from singing and drawing.
0: Ma- a woman of many talents. <laughs> many talents. All right, you can sing, you can play a musical instrument, and you can beat the hell out of people. That's uh, yes. <laughs> a, a combination. All right, question number five. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Is there something that you like that you might be embarrassed to admit?
1: (laughs) Pushing the cat? (laughs) 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 When you you come to my house, you go downstairs and I collect everything heavy metal. So I do have uh, Funko Pops and I do have all the Iron Maiden Eddie figurines. I have um picture disc the whole like King Diamond collection Megadeth um i have like a, a lemmy figurine or um all kinds of stuff and then you see i have pushing plush and funko pops <laughs> don't that don't fit with anything else but they're right there
0: <laughs> oh, just picturing that right next to the Eddie figurines
1: that's and pretty much that's what it is just <laughs> underneath there's, there's like i have figures of lemmy scotty in and um ghost stuff oh i have the slayer pops and then right on top there's <laughs> wow.
0: well that's okay we can all have different layers have different <laughs> sides different sides to our personalities it's, yes no, no problem with that. all right did you mention did you just say ghost figures as well yes great because that's a segue into question number six the plan that any better Have you ever had a paranormal experience? And if not, do you believe in its existence?
1: I do believe in its existence. I saw it. Actually, um, my grandma knew how to, like she could see in crystal balls and reading uh, lines in the hands. And apparently I do have it and I tried. (laughs) I tried when I was a kid. To work it, and when I started hearing stuff, I got so scared that I stopped. So I oh, still wow. don't know if I can do it. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I believe there is something else, and I've seen it, and yeah, I believe it. <laughs> so you
0: have you have abilities,
1: apparently. But I never, like, I tried when I was a kid, but then I got scared and I stopped. <laughs> oh.
0: All, right. All right,
1: question number
0: seven. What show are you currently binge-watching, or what have you most recently binge-watched?
1: Uh, the most recent would be, probably, uh, I've watched Low-Key, um, WandaVision, The Mandalorian. Mm, okay. Pretty much everything Marvel or Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked also American Gods. I'm a little late on this one, but I, I thought that was really interesting and um well i watch rupaul drag race every week (laughs) (laughs) once again
0: that doesn't seem to fit with a lot of the other things (laughs) it's good to you know good to be have a diverse uh set of tastes yes (laughs) that's good expand our horizons (laughs) okay question number eight what's something popular that you don't see the appeal of you just can't believe this is popular
1: Hmm. You have very good questions. <laughs> I know there's something I was like, oh I don't get it, but nothing comes to mind.
0: I can tell um, you I can tell you what the Several
1: most- bands, that's for sure. Um okay. or pop music. I don't get it.
0: <laughs> okay. Well hopefully Warrant and Poison aren't on that list.
1: No, no, no. They're in they're in the more like glam rock and yeah no I'm talking um oh anything that has with auto-tune in it you know those songs I don't oh. get that <laughs> I don't get that. 100,
0: I hate that 100% agree with you on that yep that
1: would I be
2: don't, it. don't
0: don't don't get that at all just don't get that <laughs> okay well we're gonna skip over question number nine because we already found out you are a cat person yeah all right so the final question question number ten What's the best advice that you've been given about the wrestling business? And if you can recall, who gave you the advice?
1: I think the advice came from Lenko Jack Shelley, um, who trained me. Uh, He was an international wrestling uh, wrestler. Um, I trained with him for only a few months, but I've learned so much from him because he was a good friend with Vivian Vachon. And he taught me a lot of her moves and stuff. And one thing I think it's, it's him. He told me in wrestling to know where you're going, know where you came from.
0: Oh, uh, that is X. Ex- that is sage advice. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is the end of 10 questions. Uh, Lufisto. I have, I have really, really enjoyed this conversation. As I said, I always love when I get to talk to someone who I've never interviewed before, Uh, This certainly lived up to my uh, high expectations. Um, And I really thank you for giving me so much of your time.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on the ROH podcast. That's so cool. Thank you. It
0: was great. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. We'll we'll continue to watch you on Beyond the Bells. Uh, That airs, uh, uh, that drops on YouTube, uh, ROH's Mm -hmm. YouTube channel, Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern, part of Women's Division Wednesday. Uh, Before I let you go, though, can you tell people where they can uh, follow you on social media?
1: Definitely on Twitter, it's at Lufisto. On Instagram, it's at Wounded Owl Lufisto. And if you want to know where to find me everywhere, and you can't remember, just go on Lufisto.com, and you'll have all the links to my social media, my Patreon, where I post exclusive matches, including one of my first matches. It's coming soon, <laughs> and um. You'll get my Facebook page and uh, yeah, lufisto.com is where you want to go for everything. And I recently started to add all my matches and statistics. So lots of good stuff there.
0: Absolutely. That's great. One-stop shopping, lufisto.com. Yeah,
1: one-stop shop. <laughs>
0: and you can also find the link to um, that uh, that all, that podcast that we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, The Luchador. So. I'm going to check that out as well. I, I, I'm very interested. I I listened to a little bit of the first episode. Uh, I'm going to continue listening. That, that seems pretty (laughs) good. All right. Well, thanks again. And um, I want to thank everybody out there as well for listening and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHwrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at ring of honor on Twitter and Instagram facebook.com slash of honor for news regarding upcoming episodes also for the latest roh news and views you can read my column x files every friday on rohwrestling.com until next time this is kevin x saying stay safe and let's all be roh strong